for accountants, it's time to get in. Obviously, people are going to be jumping into the industry in terms of starting businesses and growing their operations. For accountants, that just means more work. The more businesses that are around, the more work there is. And I think you're going to have a major advantage if you get in at the ground level where we are right now. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 296 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Today and in the next episode, let's look at the emerging cannabis industry and what we as accountants can contribute. In this episode, let's talk about the industry and the rules and regulations in Australia. And then in the next episode, let's look at the US and see what accountants bring to the table over there, because on a timeline, they are quite a bit ahead of us. But today, it is Australia. Here's Brett Green, an Australian CPA specializing in the cannabis industry. Yeah, it's been around for a couple of years, since about the end of 2017, I think, was when they first um, introduced some legislation to allow cultivation for recreational purposes, as well as a little bit of research. Um, but obviously, it took quite a while until people were able to get their heads around the re legislation and actually produce cannabis itself and actually get it into the market. It's only been in the market for probably two years, I'd say. These are fairly new. Yeah, it's definitely been around forever. It's been around for hundreds of years, really, as like a, you know, as a traditional product, traditional medicine, um, and also for recreational purposes. So it's not a new thing. If you go way, way back, it actually used to be legal. It got criminalized during the 1900s. But yeah, so in Australia, um, I think it's probably really confusing for people to talk about cannabis and medical cannabis because there's a lot of different terminology out there. And I found it quite confusing when I was first getting into it. I kind of just had this overarching uh, idea that cannabis was weed and that was one thing. It was one thing that hippies smoked. <laughs> but um Yeah, you'll probably notice, even if you go to the shops now, you see a lot of hemp products, which is kind of weird because it seems like you wouldn't be able to buy cannabis in the in the shops. But yeah, there's actually quite a big difference between hemp and cannabis. They're, they're the same plant, basically. They're just different varieties of the same plant. Hemp is kind of like more of an industrial product. It's been used for like hundreds of years for sort of like ship sales and all sorts of... Um, different materials, really strong, quick-growing plant. It has no psychoactive properties whatsoever, and it generally doesn't have any cannabinoids in it. So they're the ones that you've probably heard of, which are CBD and THC. They're, they're the compounds that generally people are using for medicinal purposes. So you've got kind of like the hemp, which is the sort of original, robust agricultural product, and then there's what we call cannabis, or medical cannabis, which is typically having um, a range of different cannabinoids. The two main ones that you hear about are, are CBD and THC. And for recreational purposes, you just smoke the whole thing, correct? You, you just smoke the cannabis? You can do, yeah. There's a few different ways that you can consume it. It really depends on what your condition is. But um, sort of coming from a, a US background, um, it is legally It is legal recreationally in many states over there, and you consume it in many in many ways. You can. It's usually the flower. The flower is the part that actually has the cannabinoids in it, 
So you'll cultivate the plants and when you're ready to harvest, you'll actually harvest the flower and the flower is what will then go through like a drying, curing and trimming process. And once you've got that final flower, that can be either smoked or it can be turned into a resin and or an isolate, um, consumed in many different ways. Generally, people smoke it when they're trying to get fast-acting relief. So in the Australian market, there's, there's flour, there's oils. People are vaporising flour typically to have fast relief from acute pain. For recreational purposes, you tend to use the whole flour. And for medical purposes, you tend to actually separate those two ingredients, THC and CBD, from the flour and then just put those into, into a product, correct? Pretty much, yeah. You'll, you'll find like there's many different varieties of, of cannabis flour. They're all the female ones are the ones that flower that we harvest. And so THC is the psychoactive component. So that's the one that gives people a sensation of feeling like high. And CBD is sort of the one that you probably find associated more with really helping people out with seizures and things that are more bodily related. And it's CBD that really paved the way for legalization. Um, they found that it was really effective in treating specific types of epilepsy. Oh, I see. Okay. So THC affects more the mind, hence gives you a feeling of high or pain relief. And CBD is more affects the body and it helps with seizures. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few yeah. other listed reasons that you can, um, you can obtain cannabis, but they're really the main, the main ones. When you said cannabis has been around for, for thousands of years and used to be part of traditional medicine, is the plant native to Australia or is it native to South America, for example? There's an Australian species of the plant, um, which is unique, but I think the stronger varieties were what come, came from the Middle East. Now, coming to the legislative framework in Australia, so it was legalized in 2017, but then, of course, took a while to take off. So it's a very, very new industry here. And I understand there are three layers to the legislative framework. One is cultivation, who can grow the plant and who can't. Then manufacturing, who can manufacture it, and then access. Yeah, it's a pretty complex landscape at the moment still because the government and legislators are still getting comfortable with, with cannabis and, and how the industry works. So it's a little bit of a minefield, but it's definitely workable. But they typically break it up into sort of people who are cultivating or pr producing, kind of cultivating and producing is kind of like everything up until harvesting, essentially. Um, and then there's also manufacturing. So manufacturing is when you're actually doing something to the to the product, maybe you're turning it into an oil or you're trimming it down for flour for final human consumption. There's different rules for both. So the Office of Drug Control, they are really looking at um, controlling the cannabis and making sure that nothing is getting diverted into the illegal market. So there's some pretty strong controls around what you need to do in terms of security and your staff and everything like that. And then there's also the TGA, which is the Therapeutic Goods Administration. They're really looking after the access and the quality part. So there's a lot of uh, compliance around the quality of the product. Same with any other pharmaceutical that's going to be uh, used by patients. So typically the, the manufacturing part of it, uh, you have to have like a, a GMP license for manufacturing, which is quite a lengthy process to go through, but um, that's just is what it is. And then the TGA also monitors 
um, the access part. So at the moment with a typical pharmaceutical that you get prescribed by a doctor, they're usually on an approved list. Cannabis is still in the early days, so it's not actually on the approved. There's not many products at all. I think there's only one that's an approved product. So as a result of that, there's a special access scheme that the patients can go down. They can follow that with their with their doctor, assuming that they've tried a couple of different options, but they're able to access cannabis in that way, specifically through their doctor and the TGA. They'll give them a specific approval. Brett, did you just say that at the moment there's only one approved product on the Australian market that actually contains THC or CBD grown in Australia? Yeah, so to get a, a drug registered is quite a tricky process. There's a lot of research that goes into it, generally over the, over a couple of years. So um, there's one on the market now. I think it's called Sativex or something like that. I think that's a chemically manufactured compound. I'm not 100% sure. But um, yeah, the rest are still available. There's studies and stuff that have gone into them. Um, they, they're kind of semi-approved, I guess you could say, by the TGA. They're saying it's it's cool. You can use these based on what we've seen from the way people are manufacturing and the quality of the product. But we can't actually guarantee that it's going to do a specific thing because there hasn't been enough research just yet. How local is the market? So do we tend to just use cannabis that was produced here or is there a global market where cannabis is traded? Yeah, that's where Australia is pretty fortunate because we have it federally legalized. So a country can't import from another country where it's not federally legal to produce cannabis. So the US, for example, is actually, it's still federally illegal, whereas the states within the US have legalized on a national level, it's still actually illegal. So Australia's in a pretty good position. So we we do export to different markets. The, the business I'm with at the moment, we're sort of exporting to France, Germany, the UK. So it's definitely a there's definitely an international market, and especially for Australian product, as well as domestically. Yeah, we pretty much have to sort of service the Australian market first and then After that, we were able to export. So you were saying before we can't export into the US yet because it's not legalized yet on a federal level. Exactly. It'd be the same as trying to import from there. It'd be importing a narcotic from a place where it's illegal. I can actually imagine that cannabis is traded in a very different way to other commodities. I can imagine with cannabis, it's really face-to-face. -face. So the Australian trader calls the uh, European trader and says, I have I have a shipload for you. Although it's probably not traded in shiploads. It's probably traded in parcel size, correct? Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, licensing paperwork that goes along with, especially for an importer and export, there's a huge amount of paperwork that goes along with that. But it's the same within Australia too. If you're supplying cannabis or you're, you're buying raw cannabis product, You have to be making sure that those people have licenses too. So you're, that you basically can't be selling to anyone that doesn't have a license. So you have to do due diligence. And who issues the licenses in Australia? Is it states? Are, are, is it the states and the territory? So is it the federal government? Uh, it's typically the federal government through the, the TGA and the ODC. The Office of Drug Control will sort of give you the license to, to cultivate. And then the TGA will give you the license to manufacture kind of thing. And then you'll also have a local state health regulator that will probably overlay those ones and they might have some additional requirements, especially when it comes to the Poisons Act. They sort of will consider it, depending on whether it's THC or CBD, they'll consider it a different schedule on the, 
the poisons register. How high is the security in Australia around those fields? Is it high fences with dogs and machine guns patrolled around the perimeters? Or is it just a just a simple camera that monitors who's coming near the area? How you know, what does security around those fields look like? It's it's pretty secure. Yeah. There's not machine guns, but um, yeah, there's definitely many layers to it, as well as just controlling access for staff and contractors and things like that. You basically have to prove to the ODC that there's no way that anyone's able to come in and steal any of the product. What I've seen, yeah, you'll have multiple layers of security, really. Yeah, so I, I imagine high fences, cameras, and then, yeah, monitored access recording exactly who's coming in and who's coming out. Yeah, you might even have some kind of laser perimeter kind of thing that flags yeah. when people come close to it, yeah. Have you ever been to a field? You know, have you ever been to a cultivation place? Yeah, I've been down to um, the company I'm with at the moment, Little Grand Farmer. They were actually the first company in Australia to sort of, sort of grow and get a product to market. So I've been down to their cultivation facility and I've seen quite a few in the US as well. I did a bit of study to do with cannabis in the US so I've seen sort of outdoor and indoor facilities. And so when you go in and when you come out, how much are you searched? Is it just, yeah, hey, hi, Brett, thank you for coming and uh, goodbye? Or are you searched to quite a degree to make sure you don't have a gram somewhere in your pocket? Yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of like um, it's like a diamond sort of thing in terms of the value per gram. It's There's, there's cameras in every single room. Of course. Oh, yeah, of course. You don't even have access to the product. When you go and see them, you just stay within the meeting room. So you don't actually have access to the product, correct? Yeah, and we have a pretty tightly controlled system. So that's another thing is you really need to have a really strong, they call it like a track and trace or a seed to sale system that specifically tracks the cannabis starting from seed, obviously, all the way through to sale. So we're, we're tracking by gram and by plant the whole way along. So any discrepancies will get flagged in the system. So along with the cameras and everything, we've got some pretty robust controls and systems in place. Do you have anything to do with the MCIA, so the Medical Cannabis Industry Australia, which is like the industry association, I assume? Yeah, I'm a member, but um, I'm not actively involved. I think that it is really important for there to be like a, a unified voice from the industry. When I looked at who is a member of the MCIA, I saw a lot of big names, a lot of big players. And so my question is, how is the industry structured at the moment? Is it just big players who are growing and big players who are manufacturing? Or do you also have small mom and dad farms who cultivate or small business who manufacture? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. I think um, the industry is still so small at the moment in Australia. Um, there's a few publicly listed companies. There's also private. But in general, I'd say the industry is pretty small. And like Little Green Farm, for example, they started off very humble beginnings, very small operation. So you can get, you can definitely get into the market. It's really just navigating that kind of regulatory framework and minefield initially to even be able to do anything. So I'd say it's it's predominantly larger players at the moment. You could definitely enter the market, but yeah, you've got to tick tick a lot of boxes. You probably need some some specialized knowledge there. I'd say. Who is cultivating it? Was it large farming cooperatives who were already doing other plants at a large scale and now have moved into cannabis? Yeah, I think most most of the companies in Australia are vertically integrated, so they'll be doing cultivation and manufacturing probably. Some of them will be doing it under their own brand. There's 
couple of others that will do like a white label sort of product. But yeah, I mean, there's it's a specific type of plant. While it's like still is agricultural practices, we're finding that it is typically cannabis specific companies, and generally they'll either be bringing in some knowledge from overseas, or they'll find people who have forget their term legacy growers. There might have been <laughs> legacy growers in Australia, sort of pre legalization kind of thing. There's definitely people with those sort of skill sets or they might've been growing it for medical purposes before. And now they've just got access to be able to grow more than a personal amount. Like in the ACT, for example, you can, you can grow some of your own cannabis for medicinal purposes. Yeah. The largest amount of cannabis is produced by vertically integrated manufacturers, I understand. And then you have a few small players on the side, but most of the growing is done by by manufacturers yeah it's the same as any industry really like you just there's the efficiencies there and the, the cost savings if you own the whole supply chain so plus it's easier to sort of verify the product as well if you're actually doing the cultivation you understand what sort of agricultural practices they're using but yeah at the same time yeah there are there are some smaller ones as well and there's also a, a small amount of import going on as well in terms yeah. of overseas uh, resins. Now, looking at the manufacturers, is it very capital intensive to manufacture cannabis? Hence, you tend to, the, the need for capital is a natural hurdle for smaller players to come into the market? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, depends on the scale. Small scale cultivation, I think, is probably the easiest to access um, if you're trying to get into the market because you can kind of do that and not have to have the specialty manufacturing knowledge so to set up your own manufacturing facility in Australia, you're going to need some pretty specific people with pharmaceutical backgrounds. In terms of the equipment, yeah, it's expensive, but it's not super expensive at a small scale. Um, it's more about getting the actual licensing and making sure that you've got a robust system that's signed off by the TGA to actually produce a quality and consistent product. Like it's a pharmaceutical product. So if you've got people that have that experience, then they're going to be able to, able to assist or Otherwise, you'll have to bring in some external consultant or outsource that part of it, yeah. So is it mainly the pharmaceutical companies who are moving into the manufacturing of THC and CBD? Not necessarily seeing that too much in Australia just yet, but yeah, it's definitely happening over in the US and Canada. Yeah. I see. So if in Australia, if it's not the pharmaceutical companies, who does the manufacturing? Yeah, it's cannabis-specific companies, yeah, who are specifically dealing with that. Looking at what accountants can bring to this industry. And the reason we started talking is because Andrew Hansiker mentioned that there is a dear need for accountants to provide more advice to the industry. Why is that? What can accountants bring to the industry? Andrew's, um, yeah, I did, a, I did a course with him, which was US market specific called Dope CFO. And yeah, the thing is that a lot of maybe not so much for publicly listed companies because they might already have that expertise, but particularly for smaller businesses, generally accounting is not their strong suit. <laughs> Same with most sort of small to medium enterprises, I'd say. So for them, yeah, it's really just coming in, being able to give them some sort of solid financial structure so that they can grow and focus on the things that they actually want to do and that they're good at. So um I think accountants in general, it's a good industry because there's a lot of compliance involved. I think accounting just lends itself to that type of thinking and work anyway. Yeah. Especially if they're startups at the moment, the industry is really new as well. So it's really just like being able to support business owners 
license solid foundations for them to grow if they want to raise money down the track or whatever. Um, they've got some solid accounting that they can actually rely upon. Um, mm. I think that's that's a huge, huge one. Yeah, but for structuring or uh, or doing an IPO, etc., you don't really need intricate knowledge of the cannabis industry. I would assume, correct? You you know you could you could use accountants with just general farming knowledge. Yeah, I'd say you probably could. Yeah, the more specific your knowledge, the better. Always, I'd say. Yeah. But yeah. Any any accountant could for sure help out. I would say. Is there a common software that most cannabis users use? I think a lot of them do start with really basic zero or QuickBooks, to be honest. Yeah, there's a real range. It depends where the business is at. Really basic mum and pop style sort of places, they're probably still using zero or QuickBooks with a whole bunch of workbooks and work papers to support the cost accounting. Whereas more advanced or more mature companies will have kind of like a pretty robust seed to sale type system, uh, maybe ERP as well. Kind of depends where they're at, but yeah, there's mm. there's quite a bit of quite a few cannabis specific products from the US that are kind of used for compliance, but they've started to morph towards offering financial reporting and stuff. But that software market is still very. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of those products aren't that strong. The software has to do quite a lot of heavy lifting because you need to account exactly for where every gram of product is, etc. You can't just hold stock and then do a stock take at the end of the year correct yeah it's very it's very specific they could the odc could come out at any moment and audit the facility and if things aren't where we say they are in the quantities that we say they are we could be in trouble so yeah it's it's pretty specific software's got to be really robust there's a lot of like dual sign-offs and things like that involved but it's cool too because you know basically what happens is every plant gets a barcode once it kind of gets to a certain stage and we sort of use barcodes to to track them throughout the rest of their life um, and then there's always the traceability back to the original seed, essentially. You wouldn't be able to do that with zero. You would need some quite sophisticated inventory management software with that. Yeah, exactly. Which you can integrate with zero. There's plenty of plenty of options out there. Zero is a really nice core package um, for people to use. It's cheap, but yeah, generally it needs to be supplemented with some other inventory management software, yeah, definitely. So there are basically three areas where accountants can help the industry. One is just general business advice. Then one is help with the um, compliance. And then the third one is just help with the uh, software side, implementing the um, inventory management system, inventory tracking software, whatever it is that is needed. Those are really the three areas that accountants can bring to the table if they have the relevant knowledge, correct? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, I mean, you can always do a bit of tax planning and stuff like that, if that's your forte. Yeah, that's true. So they're actually four. Business advice, compliance, software, and tax. For sure, yeah. Yeah, there's so many ways you could add value to a client, but they're probably the main ones, yeah. I just think, um, look, the times the times are changing. Um, the stigma around cannabis is is going. People understand that it's an actual medicinal product. It's It's legitimate. That's happened overseas, and it's starting to happen in Australia. So the industry is going to be growing pretty massively, I'd say, over the next few years. It's a good time to get in and start to understand it. The sooner you get in, the better. For accountants, it's time to get in. Obviously, people are going to be jumping into the industry in terms of starting businesses and growing their operations. For accountants, that just means more work. The more businesses that are around, the more work there is. And I think you're going to have a major advantage if you get in at the ground level where we are right now. A lot of the larger companies are not necessarily dealing so much with cannabis businesses at the moment. So 
especially if you're a smaller operator, privately owned cannabis accounting firm, could go a pretty long way. Welcome back. After I spoke to Brett, I realized that I had forgotten one important question, and that is, where in Australia do you grow cannabis? I assumed the answer would be Queensland or North Queensland or along the Queensland coast, since cannabis needs a warm climate with lots of water slash rain. So I emailed Brett and asked him, and his answer was very different to what I had expected. He writes... Because of the high quality required for medical cannabis, a lot of it is cultivated indoors. That way, the atmospheric conditions can be monitored more closely and there can be multiple harvests throughout the year versus one main harvest for an outdoor grow. During the interview, I asked Brett how he got into the cannabis industry. Yeah, I'm a CPA registered in Australia, but um, I've sort of been working remotely and travelling around for the last couple of years, so sort of back in Australia as of a few months ago, but I was in... Did you go through a hotel quarantine? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, in um, Brisbane, which was, um, I was... I was really lucky. I got quite a nice room, actually. Not sure how that happened, but yeah, I had a lot of things to catch up on just in Australia because I'd been away for a while. So for me, it was actually quite a good uninterrupted period. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had two weeks of my life before I've been thinking to do in a room. You're an accountant by trade. You did you did a CPA. How did you then get into the cannabis industry? I'd met a couple of people when I was working in um, Costa Rica. I was working for a festival um, as finance manager and I decided to go traveling with my partner through um, the US. Um, but it was a bit of COVID time, so we didn't necessarily want to go anywhere that was too busy, didn't want to go into the city. So, and one of our friends actually had a cultivation facility. They offered to for us to come out and just have a look, see what it was all about. I was just really interested. I was just trying to understand how that business model works and started to sort of generally just Google, you know, cannabis accounting and just the history. It was, it's really, it really is quite interesting, especially in the States. There's a real legacy. There's a lot of legacy farmers and growers and there's, it's a big part of the culture, especially in California. So um, I was just really interested in that. I could see that it was helping people from a from a medical point of view. It's recreationally legal there. I think that's okay. That doesn't. That's not huge for me. It's probably the future in Australia. I would say actually. But um, yeah, it's really from the medicinal point of view where it's massive. It really is actually making an impact in people's lives. So yeah, I just I decided I'd just do a course on cannabis accounting specifically. The market in the US is enormous. There's a shortage of people without specialist knowledge. So I figured it made sense. No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Then I, I came back to Oz with some of that knowledge and just caught up with a few people in, in Perth when I was back. And now I'm just sort of doing a kind of like a system implementation for a uh, little green farmer at the moment. Yeah. You mentioned that, that you're working on installing an ERP. Is that the main focus of your advice to cannabis industries so basically just to support them on the software side? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that style of things anyway. Um, I've done a fair few of those type of implementations throughout my career. But yeah, my objective with US clients is different. That's more specifically accounting related. It's just that being in Australia, this opportunity popped up. Um, it's kind of perfect timing and perfect place sort of thing. Welcome back. 
Let's just quickly look at the framework in Australia again to grow, produce and manufacture cannabis. At the very top sits the United Nations Single Convention on Narcotics, but that is for our lawmakers to worry about and not for us. Then there's the Narcotics Drugs Act about the criminal offense of growing, producing, manufacturing or trading cannabis without the appropriate license. And we can put that to the side as well since we focus on legally growing and manufacturing cannabis in Australia. To cultivate and produce cannabis in Australia legally, you need a license from the Office of Drug Control in Australia, the ODC, and that is a federal government body. To manufacture products from cannabis in Australia, you need three things. You still need a license from the ODC, so a federal ODC license, but you also need permission from your state or territory. So that is different depending on where you manufacture in Australia. And then thirdly, you also need a license from the Therapeutic Goods Administration, or in short, TGA. The TGA governs access and quality, and so you need a good manufacturing practice license from the TGA. So good manufacturing practice license is abbreviated to GMP, so a GMP license from the TGA. When you have all this, you can grow, produce and manufacture cannabis products in Australia. And after that, you just have to make sure that you sell your product to the right people who are authorized under the TGA. So mainly licensed doctors and other medical professionals. So that is the framework in Australia, very roughly in a nutshell. So today we focused on the industry in Australia itself and only briefly touched on what we as accountants can bring to the table. In the next episode, Andrew Hunziker of Dope CFO will talk about how we as accountants can help. Andrew is based in the US, so his discussion will be very US focused, but I think We can learn a lot about the opportunities for accountants in this market by looking at the US, since they are ahead of us in the timeline of legalizing cannabis, assuming that we in Australia will legalize the recreational use of cannabis at some time in the future. So until next week, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. <laughs>